heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome aboard, Malcolm at eight, the voice of a nation. Vigilante or hero? The question on this Daniel Penny, the Marine there in the subway. We're starting to see a lot of these kinds of cases where the prosecutors are playing the victim victor card. We've seen a, a track record of this now, friends, but it all plays to a narrative that, you know, do people, are people watching out for other people? And are people going to get involved more when something happens in the public square? You see, sometimes you've, you've seen some of those horrific cases where somebody is assaulted, uh, somebody, you've, you've heard all kinds of horror stories, rape, murder, mayhem, and they did nothing. You know, they did nothing to stop it. What's the matter with these people? But then you got to look at the flip side of this thing. When you take life and matters into your own hands, uh, you know, uh, are more people going to do that or are they going to stay out of harm's way? Just in case there's, in, in this particular case, Alvin Bragg, Manhattan again, that name sound familiar? Aggressive uh, DAs cr- uh, that, uh, you know, that, that want crime, that, that uh, have, you know, no bail policies, throw crime, repeat offenders out on the street, all that sort of thing is very routine for these cats, these sort of DAs. And they're littered all over the country now, to be sure. And this is a part of, not the whole story, but it is part of the cultural rot in America's cities. It's a big part of it, friends. It's the escalating crime, it's the drugs, and, and all these stories tie together, the drugs coming up from the border, the fentanyl, the opioid, the crisis that's happening, the deaths that are amounting. All of this is part of it. It's all part of it. Homelessness. You've seen that just ramp up. It used to be a very rare occasion. Now it's routine in any of these cities. Tents and uh, places like that are absolutely everywhere. It's it's an eyesore. It's an absolute eyesore in these uh, America's uh, once elite cities. And it's a dangerous environment for families and businesses, to be sure. You know, it's all of that is is part of this story. So we have to remember that uh, that you know we've got an environment now that's not conducive to family life. It's not conducive to, to businesses. Uh, it's a hostile envi- environment in these cities. It's a new way of life in America's cities, and people almost expect the crime. And they expect it to be a normal way of life. And that's part of the problem as well. It's become routine. And you know you're in trouble when that happens, you know. So this case of Daniel Penny, the Marine, some people would call him a vigilante. Some people call him a hero. And this was against the homeless man, Jordan Neely, what took place there in the subway. So evidently the story here is that this Jordan Neely is a homeless man. He used to impersonate Michael Jackson sort of thing. Uh, he has a um, uh, was uh, uh, mental health was a big problem for this for this guy for a young guy, but ver- mental health was a huge problem for this guy. He had a history, he had a track record. I mean, who who was this guy? Who is Jordan Neely? You know, Jordan Neely. He had forty two prior arrests. 
uh, between 2013 and 2021. They included four for alleged assault. Others involved accusations of transit fraud and criminal trespass. Back to the time of his death, there was a, an active warrant uh, for an assault in connection with the 21 incident, by the way. So this was a guy who was no stranger to law enforcement. He had a track record for what that is. And he was on the subway in this particular day, uh, ranting about death and making her, you know horrific statements in the subway, uh, you know, on the train there. And uh, people were people spoke about it and were there were two like everything. There are two sides to the story. One side is people were frightened for their lives. Uh, the Marine himself says, Daniel says he was also frightened for what this guy was. And then there are others who sort of say, well, it didn't call for these sort of actions, what had taken place there, you know. So Penny was initially arrested on second degree manslaughter charge. Okay. Second degree manslaughter. The exact charges now uh, will, will not be unsealed. We, we won't know. We don't know what those are. And until Penny appears in a court at a later date, the, the sources said that's it we just didn't really know. Um, but the video sh showed Penny again, um, 24 years old, putting Neely in a chokehold. And th th all the witnesses were seeing this, but there were a couple of other people there that were part of this. It wasn't just him that were holding him down. The question now becomes, did they go too far? Did he become a vigilante? I mean, did he go too far and cause the death? Now, uh, it, it was uh, the medical examiner's office did say it was the chokehold that did it. Uh, they, they determined that was the deal, that death was ruled a homicide based on that chokehold. It's not going to be an easy case, people. Not going to be an easy case at all. Yeah. He held him down, he said, for several minutes. Some people were saying as much as 15 minutes. But from all accounts here, everything we say looked like it was, and, and he himself, Penny says, it was inside of five minutes from point to point when this happened until he stopped moving. Now, the question what the, what the jury, the grand jury is going to have to examine here is, uh, did, did he go too far? Should he have let go sooner? Did he allow the guy to breathe? Uh, but he kept holding him until he was a bit lifeless. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> George Floyd come to mind? Same sort of story. How did he go too far? You know, in this case, of course, uh, Penny is just he's an ex-Marine, but he's not a, uh, a police officer either. Uh, so that even makes it a little more tricky, of course. The assistant district attorney in this case, Joshua Steinglass, said prosecutors conducted a thorough investigation, included interviews with eyewitnesses, 911 callers and respondent officers before moving forward with the criminal charge uh, is, is the word. And again, this is a. Uh, Alvin Bragg now, who's become uh, pretty famous, all for the wrong reasons. But he's, he's, this is one of Soros's DAs. This is one of these cats that uh, he, he has just, that's why crime is running rampant in New York. But these, again, these people, this has become very routine in our country, people. We're seeing this all over the place. Mayor Eric Adams, in this case, released a statement saying he appreciated the, uh, the, the DA, Bragg, conducting a thorough investigation into the, to the death of Jordan Ely. Now, of course, on top of all of this, you know, they always make it a black-white thing, of course, and Al Shopton is never one to let a crisis go to waste, of course. He was at the, he was eulogizing them, don't even know these cats, but, you know, he, it, it just makes it, he just said, he's there at the funeral, you know, eulogizing, uh, eulogizing somebody he doesn't even know, you know, doesn't even know the guy, has no idea who he is. 
Uh, but he's there uh, with a, within a, a eulogy and uh, suggesting that he's probably a folk hero and a, a stand-up citizen, so on and so forth, you know. Uh, the National Action Network, uh, the statement put out, says they stand in support of Jordan's family since day one. This was a clear-cut case of uh, vigilantism and has no place in our society, which is why I spoke against it at Jordan's funeral, is what Al Sharpton says. But this is pretty routine. You see, this is it plays. It, it, this is a, a record case of uh, a story we've seen time and time again play to our country. What I want to talk about today is a follow up to previous broadcasts and conversations I've been having with you, friends, and that is the the crime that has run rampant in America's cities, the way of life that it has become a way of life, and it's expected in our once elite cities. You know, the thing I remind people of all the time is there is no way to have a great nation. There is no way to make America great without going through America's cities. It's not possible. It's, it's not remotely possible. So this this is a facade that is consistently put out there that we're on the path to greatness that can do this when our cities are rotten to the core and they're rotten from the inside out. And it's a recipe for disaster. And so you're seeing these barren areas happen in the urban markets. They're not good places. Businesses are have left in droves now, and surely since COVID, uh, they and they're not coming back. People are working from home, and they find it a safer environment. Frankly, not not to think that uh, crimes do happen at home as well. Home invasions are up as well. It, it, what's happening here, friends, is we are entering a new phase of society. It's a new phase. It's a lawless phase, and it's it's a phase that uh, it happens in in um, other countries, third world countries, countries that you don't expect uh, you you don't expect America to be in that lineup of countries. But you know, I know people overseas and people in Europe and others who uh, who believe that America is a much more uh, crime ridden uh, market. Uh, you know, people outside here talk, you know, <laughs> we're probably a little biased here because we live here. But there are plenty of other people talk, that talk about our country and that uh, that it's it's not user friendly. It's not a place that uh, is put out the way we think it is. That has become a very crime infested, homeless, disgusting area in these cities. Remember, a lot of those images that happened from uh, on the West Coast, from Portland, Oregon and Seattle and all that, that created a that created a memory around the world of what America is like. That, that was not a, a great tourism campaign for the nation. But that people seen all of that and they reflected on that, thinking that's what America is. There's a bigger story here, though, friends. It's a bigger story. And so what I'm wondering now that you have all these DAs that seem to be bent on elevating crime. I mean, New York itself is just one prime example, but there are others today. And we'll, we'll have somebody on talking about a, another particular market, Cleveland, Ohio is another area, but they're everywhere, New Orleans. And, you know, I noticed a lot of these uh, markets too, they change where sometimes I'm seeing, oh, that's the number one. And then now there's another number one. And then there's another number one. And the other day, somebody was talking about Missouri was a number one, Minnesota, and it's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. No, nobody is removed from this new world order that's taking place. And you're going to start to see it multiply. And what happens in the urban markets, remember, you're not safe because it's going to play into the suburbia markets and then the rural markets as well. 
Nobody is safe with this sort of a future and this sort of an environment, people. And it's become too mainstay uh, in, uh, in, in the United States, uh, to be sure. So I'm just wondering now with this case of Daniel Penny, I think you see where I'm at now. I wonder how many people, would you get involved out there if you've seen something horrific going on? Or would you turn the other way and walk the other way? Yeah. And again, that probably depends upon what your size is and if you can defend yourself or the male, female. There are a lot of factors that go into that question. I understand that. It's, a, it's, it's just a metaphorically blatant statement about our awareness as people and our sensibility of protecting others, our fellow man. Especially when you put yourself in harm's way, because we're seeing so many of these cases now. So why bother anymore? Why would you do that and and screw up your own life? I mean, it, what's what's the payoff? Is the payoff to have a prosecutor like Alvin Bragg come after you and lock you up? And that and that's on one side of this. And let me just say, on the other side is, did Daniel Penny go too far? Did he go too far? Just like in the Floyd case, held on too long, and the cat's not breathing anymore. You know, and then that does, they qualify that as a vigilante and uh, somebody who has taken matters into their own hands and thinks they're acting like law enforcement and they're not law enforcement. Of course, this guy was an ex-Marine. I get that. That still doesn't give you a license to go out to do certain things. So that's going to be where the rub is on this. And the grand jury is going to have a hell of a time on this particular case, I can tell you that. And of course, all of this is fueled with media and protest and all of that that are on the streets, naturally. That that all comes with the territory as well. People take their sides. And I'll tell you the other thing not to miss on something like this. This, I guarantee you, this will become a Republican-Democrat fight as well, like everything else in the country. That's what this will become, a left-right. It's already started that way. It's already headed that way. You almost know if somebody's defended or, or they're, uh, you know, admonishing them or do they think it's, you know, fair treatment. You almost can see the way people are uh, sizing this up, what political strife they're in. Isn't that, that's how we think in our country, though. That is exactly how we think. And it all comes back to a political ideology. What's acceptable behavior in the public square? What's not, you know? <laughs> And and where do you fall in that? Oh, this guy's guilty, you know. And, and as soon as you see people line up with the with the Braggs and the uh, the Sharptons and and the, the you know the political people and and the the Congress, it all always falls into that. They'll have something to say about it. And as soon as you see that, people are going to take a position without even really understanding half the time what the hell the fight is about, you know. And that's that that in itself is something that is is uh, sick on its face, but it happens routinely. People always, they result to their ideology. And they result to their uh, their po political uh, uh, connections, you know, into how they think as people. You see that a lot out there, rather than staying true to the case and looking at this particular case as a one-off or a two-off. We're a very divided nation. We're a red nation and a blue nation. And that's not going to change anytime soon, friends. The corruptness of stories like this and these prosecutors who are, again, they have no bail policies. They're re-releasing. They're trying to empty the jails and re-releasing people. And they get a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance, an eighth chance. They've got records like this cat 42 times, mental problems, homelessness, living on the street, harassing people in the subway. I mean, this is what life has become now. I mean, who feels safe anymore in these markets? This is what life has become. It's become expected behavior. And that's why people are leaving these markets. 
They're leaving these mar- They're leaving these urban cesspools, these third world entities uh, that the leftists and the progressivists have uh, created all the way across our country. Sick, isn't it? And that's what we're dealing with right now in our world, uh, this country. I mean, it's uh, this is something I've been following for years. I've been very passionate about America's cities. Our, uh, you know, I've told you before, I remember taking my my mom to some of these great cities before she passed away and taking her to the great city of San Francisco. God, I remember those. It was amazing. She had a wonderful time. And taking her to some beautiful cities on the West Coast. And they were remarkable at the time. And Portland was remarkable at that time. And uh, Seattle, all these areas were were terrific Americans. Chicago one time was the Miracle Mile. It's a hell of a place to be. I took the kids to Manhattan Christmas, remember I told you. It was absolutely beautiful. We weren't worried or scared of anything. Back then, you know, I mean, New York, they had come through a whole, what Giuliani had done, Rudy had done, and that city had come through a metamorphosis, I guess, best way to say it, uh, and was revitalized, you know, was revitalized in ways. Now the whole country is going to have to go through a campaign like this and be revitalized if there's any hope, or is there any hope, or are we, are we hopelessly lost at this point? Those are the kinds of questions we want to ask ourselves now. And in the case of this um, vigilante or hero, Daniel Penny, what do you think out there? Is he a hero, the Marine hero who stepped in to save the day, or did he overstep his bounds? And is he a vigilante and should be held accountable from a grand jury? And they've and and they're gonna they're gonna you know they're gonna decide his fate. I mean, they've now decided they're going to move forward, this grand jury. So they're going to decide his fate and whether he's going to spend a good part of his life now locked up. Uh, And what does that do for the rest of us? Do we step in or do we stay out of these kinds of brawls and fights? No different than a kid growing up on the playgrounds and you've seen the local bully. Did you put the bully back in his place? Right. Or did you just turn the other way and keep walking away and let, you know, a lot of people are scared of bullies and they run from them. They don't, they don't want to confront the bullies. That's That comes back from our childhood. This is how we thought as kids, right? And then every so often there are people like this, Daniel Penny, who stay, who, you know, in the face of danger will uh, back that bully down, or in this case, a criminal with a long track record. I, I think this is, it's an interesting case to look at because I think it's going to warrant how people react. Because the same thing happened with George Floyd, actually, with all the, with the police officers. There was a stand down after that. And the police has started, they stopped with it being active in law enforcement. They stopped policing and only going to the calls that they were deemed to have to go to. But they surely didn't proactive police. Why would they? That's another factor that plays into this whole conversation today, people. I mean, after that George Floyd thing, why would you? Put yourself in harm's way as a police officer. I wouldn't, would you? As a police officer? Hell no. Not when they're, you know, you, they, first of all, they branded you as such, deemed you as part as the problem. Why would you? And that's why they're having trouble right now in law enforcement and uh, recruiting and young people and uh, people that no longer does the little boy grow up wanting to be a police officer. That's, that's remote now. Doesn't happen for this reason, you know? We, we've fallen far and far. They're having trouble recruiting young people. They don't want the job anymore. And so they're, they're all these uh, all these police stations and offices throughout, the, they're all shorthanded. 
They're all shorthanded. They're not paid well. They're under a lot of pressure. They're under microscope. They have scope. They have web, web cameras there. Every step they take is is put under the microscope. They step on a line or make a mistake. Well, they take life, their own life, and matters into their own hands. And then they're done. So who, who needs that kind of a livelihood? What, what, would you want those stresses going to work every day? <laughs> you can keep it. I mean, who who wants all that? And now when you don't have the proper people policing, what do you got now? You know, that adds to the fuel here. And then you got DAs like Bragg and all these cats are everywhere. And they don't care. They're just turned crime on its head. That's all part of Soros' plan. That's to create this uh, progressivism hellhole, a.k.a. communism. We're going to take a pause here and come back. I've got someone joining us on the broadcast here. Talk a little bit more about this, too, from a firsthand experience and has actually seen the cultural rot of a city, have lived there, loves the city, but I mean, that's another thing. How do you, I wonder if somebody like this or any of us, do we fall out of love with the city because of all the dangers and the things we're talking about? Or, you know, do we stay loyal to the market and the cities that we grew up with? We'll take a quick pause. We'll join you on the other side. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Post and asked you the question, vigilante or hero, this Daniel Penny, the Marine, okay? Uh, I've got someone joining me now who, uh, and I'll tell you more about him, and he comes out of a market uh, that is also suffering with a lot of crime, Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm fascinated to take this on as a bit of a case study today. Uh, but joining us on the program is a terrific author, writer, uh, and uh, uh, on the network here. First time I've had him on broadcast, actually, excited to have him here. Uh, Rich uh, Koslovich is here. He's an author, uh, focuses on these current trends and these sort of cycles that are happening uh, quite a bit as a publisher himself of uh, a blog, Paradigms and Demographics. Uh, and uh, he's got a passion again for this. And uh, it, well, it's what he always says, his motto, everything is to be questioned. Uh, so Rich, I want to ask you right out before we examine more of this case. And I want to talk to you about Cleveland and all of this on the crime factor. But your gut reaction, before you even qualify why, let me just ask you right out, just your gut reaction to where we stand right now with Daniel Penny, the, the Marine. Is he a vigilante or is he a hero in your mind? He's a hero. Okay. All right. Now, all right, just, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't ask you before now because I didn't want to know before this. I didn't know what you were going to say. All right. He's a hero. 
So the only thing I want to push back on is I look at the evidence, I've looked at the studies, looked at the research. That was my initial reaction as well. Now, the only thing I'm questioning is, does the grand jury, does he get off? Or does, does, he, uh, does he get acquitted on this? Or is he going to be held accountable? And the question is, and I looked at some of this, there were a couple of other people involved who held the guy back, but he did the chokehold and he had it on him until the guy was lifeless. Should he have let go sooner? Or did he do the right thing based on just that chokehold I'm talking about here? You know, I, I got to tell you, it always drives me nuts when I hear all these commentaries from all these people who weren't there, who didn't face the crisis that was going on, that didn't have to worry about their life or the lives around everybody else. And it's unfortunate this man died. Uh, you know, you you can't uh, you can't applaud that. that. I mean, that's a sad thing. As strange as he was and as dangerous as he was, you still can't applaud that. But the truth of the matter is these kind of things are taking place in a very short period of time, the man is reacting violently. He's struggling the whole time. And apparently everyone recognized how dangerous he was and other people jumped in on this. Now, will he be indicted? Absolutely. This is New York. You can indict a ham sandwich in New York. Oh, That's so you just... think he's going to be indicted? He won't be acquitted? Yeah. Well, he No, he won't be acquitted. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is this case is going to go on. Uh, the, uh, I can understand where uh, people would say, well, he went too far, but they weren't there. Right. They weren't facing all of this stuff. You know, I'm going to be 77 pretty soon. And in my course of my life, uh, we, you watch the old shows on television where, uh, you know, the uh, hero stood up and he shot the criminal. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody thought anything of it. Why? Yeah. The man was a criminal. The man was violent. The man was scary. The man was a threat to society. We've we've gone. We've you know, gone I, too far. And the other far. part about it, the other part about that drives me nuts is the misuse of words. The man, whether you don't think of, if you don't want to think of him as a hero, you can't think of him as a vigilante. A vigilante is someone who is chosen to go out and enforce the laws without any authority. He didn't do that. He was reacting to a very bad situation. You could might say his judgment was flawed, whatever it might be, but his motives were pure. He was trying to save people's lives because this guy was screaming he was going to kill somebody. Right. Well, let me well, let me jump in. You telling here. me you're going to kill me? I'm going to take you at your word. Right. Right. So, uh, Newsweek on right after this incident happened. Okay, Rich, on May fourth. Uh, they had a piece on this and said uh, Jordan Neely was yelling and pacing back and forth on an F train in Manhattan Monday afternoon when he was restrained by at least three people. Now, he was restrained. It's what I was saying. There's more to the story here, according to police and witnesses. Video of the incident posted online by a journalist showed a U.S. Marine veteran lying beneath Neely and holding him in a headlock position for several minutes as Neely unsuccessfully tried to break free. Another passenger pinned Neely's arms while a third held down his shoulder. So these others, I, I'm surprised they didn't even try to charge these others at this point. But they were others. But I guess it's because I mean, of the chokehold. I mean, the choke if, if Neely, if if uh, Neely's guilty of killing this guy, then why aren't they being charged for being accessory to the fact? Well, that's the what fact. I wonder. This thing, to me, is so bliss in it, but it's playing into the narrative. It's a nationwide narrative. They're now going to arrest people I, I believe it was in california i just read it. i may, may be mistaken on that but uh, uh, they're going to arrest 
people working in the stores for resisting thievery. What 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 is wrong with us? Have we well, they're doing that. No, they are doing that. They are. Uh, they're. they're and, no, and what they're are, doing there is there are CEOs that are firing people for by resisting. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, yeah and it's, we're, we're not creating a system for anybody's safety. We're That's creating true. a system for more danger, more crime. Yeah. Uh, it's just a. It's an absolute insane uh, scenario that's playing out, and and I will tell you, I, I have a, a a rule is uh, nothing in geopolitics is coincidental, hmm. and okay. this is all part of the pattern that's playing out worldwide, mm-hmm. because the goal here is to balkanize the nation. Back in the late 1800s, uh, Otto von Bismarck made the observation because uh, uh, Germany at that time was the geographic center for socialism. And he was a big promoter of it, believe it or not, because he believed binding the people to to his government would keep them in charge. He just never expected that it wouldn't be the nobility. At any rate, he commented that America was a real nation because it had everybody spoke the same language and they had pretty much the same culture, whereas Europe was nothing more than a geographic location. Well, the uh, geographic designation. Well, the reality is that's what they're trying to turn the United States into. They want to destroy the American character, the American personality, the American economy, and overturn the Constitution. And they want to turn America into a balkanized, confrontational society by creating all these victims. And this is all part of a worldwide effort. Yeah. What what worries me about this case, Rich, is that the more and more these cases become public, as this one is, that more people are going to be restraining themselves to get involved. Good Samaritans. I'm calling it the Good Samaritan versus the vigilante concept. Okay? You know what I mean? And I asked her the question, was he or wasn't he? But uh, I'm concerned with the fact now that if this guy is indicted, as you suggest, he probably will be because of New York. Now you've got a good Marine who had good intentions and he's going down by this, by holding this criminal in the chokehold. And I'm just worried about the fallout from that. How many other people see that thing and say, you know what, I'm not going to get involved. It's It just kind of fuels the fire. Do you see what I mean? But one of the things that's happening is, I think, anyhow, it appears to me, is everybody is walking around out here realizing the police aren't going to come to their aid. And what ends up, people will act in their own best interest, and people are scared. And when that happens, people will react in a way to defend themselves. And I think that's what we're seeing more than anything, is people are afraid, and they read on the uh, local authorities and they i think seems to me more and more people are walking out that are in these environments are walking around with the attitude is i'm I'm, nobody's going to shoot me or stab me and i'm just going to stand there and take it and i think we're going to see we might it seems to me we're going to see more people stand up for themselves because they're not going to have any choice Mm -hmm. yeah well that wouldn't be a bad thing that people are standing up for themselves, but many times some people well, can't. Well, that, that, let's say, let's stand up for society. I think what's, we're going to see more of that. Uh, the you, When you're dealing, here we had a, a, a Marine, he was a big guy, and he was a tough guy. 
And he had the guts to do what exactly. needed to be done. But he also had the physical wherewithal. And that's the problem. Uh, take someone like me. I'm 70, almost 77 years old. I have two broken bones in my back. I have arthritis. I walk with a uh, an, an, an observable limp. I'm a target in these environments. And the truth of the matter is there isn't a lot I'd be able to do about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the so it's easy for these people to get away with this stuff if they're in an environment where there's all these uh, weaker, defenseless people. Uh, so it isn't easy for some people. And I truthfully, I would not expect anybody to jump in there that wasn't capable of handling it to defend me. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the problem we see. These bullies and these brutes, they don't act like that when there's somebody that can do something about it. Yeah. They act against the defense and the weak and these this, the police and the prosecutors and the judges. They're supposed to be the shepherds protecting the flock. What in effect are is they're turning wolves loose on the flock and they're decimating the flock. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's uh, it's uh, perfectly said, uh, Rich. Stay right there, Rich. Uh, back with you in just a moment here. And um, uh it's perfectly said. What uh, Rich says there uh, is, is accurate, um, and um, you, you just see ta- a case like this and an indictment. What that will do, or uh, to other people, uh, it is a good Samaritan versus a vigilante attitude. People that are have the wherewithal to stand in harm's way and take it upon themselves. Um, you know, are, are more people going to be willing to do that? Well, if this guy's indicted. I think you're going to find a lot less people, no matter if they have a Marine backdrop or not, are going to hesitate like hell to get involved in these cases. They're just not going to do it, people. They're going to, and it's sad if it's your son or your daughter or your wife or husband or somebody uh, else that is in harm's way. And that good Samaritan wasn't there to step and play. And it's a fine line always. It's a fine line on these kinds of cases and stories. And, and, you know, what they're going to do is, they're, I'm telling you now, they're going to analyze and isolate that chokehold because that was the measurement of death that the medical examiner put out. That's what they're going to do. And to what Rich says, he thinks it probably would be indicted, basically, in New York. He says they can indict a ham sandwich up there, you know, basically, you know. And so that's what they're going to do is isolate that. And that's going to be the burden of proof right there to see that this guy go too far. What if he had let loose a minute or two earlier? See, that's that's going to be the whole quandary right there. And that could come back to cost him. But Rich brought up a good point there to to reflect on what he said. He also brought up a good point to saying that, you know, at the moment, the heat of the moment. But you see, the grand jury and the DA, they're not going to give him the heat of the moment. You see, you see where we're at now with this good Samaritan versus a vigilante attitude. And he's not a vigilante, as Rich pointed out, because he couldn't be because he wasn't acting in that premise. He responded to something that was in front of him. Now, maybe the grand jury looks at it this way. Maybe they look at it differently. And that people that shopped in like the colonist got vigilante, that wasn't the case at all. And that in the heat of the moment, uh, as Rich said, that could be a defense, actually, in this case. Well, you know what? I mean, you go and be in that situation and do what you think you have to do and see if you would make the exact same decision or not. Or if 30 seconds would have made a difference or not for this man's life. You know, that's it's. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be another interesting case to look at and see how, uh, again, a grand jury uh, appears, not exactly a peer of his uh, particularly equal fellows when you're dealing with New York uh, politics 
and uh, the New York uh, vibe up there, to be sure. Um, so we're seeing, uh, I've been telling you in the past days, the demographic change in our country and this uh, really light and dark that I'm seeing more and more of this. Um, it's a fight of light and dark. Well, it's actually, Bruce was just sharing as well. A lot of this is uh, purposeful. It's intentional. What I think he's speaking about, there's a lawlessness society, you know, a society that has become an unraveling. This is all the recipe uh, that progressivism brings uh, to the dinner table. Uh, it, it is a.k.a. Marxism. It is the it is all the cultural rot of our nation that is in play right now. All of the things that we talk about every day is a social cultural rot on a quick be line to uh, being a communist country. That's where America is uh, seems to be on a fast track to these days, a very fast track. We've never seen a society like we are experiencing right now in our country, you know. And the question you have to ask yourself then is, uh, is some of this, can we reverse it? Can we reverse the trends or are we just too far gone? And how, and I'm speaking about this for years. How do we save some of these cities and how do we wake people up for a better quality of life? And why are people in those cities accepting that way of life? Those are the kinds of questions that need to be asked. Well, Rich has an op-ed, uh, on the, um, platform on americaoutloud.com. So a very good piece to go take a look at here as you hear the broadcast here on talk radio. And he suggests, he says, what we're seeing is irreversible in America's major cities. We'll ask him why that is just after the pause, you're listening to the voice of a nation. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, povidone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. You know, in this fantastic uh, op-ed, uh, what we're seeing is irreversible in America's major cities. 
And we've been, we've been spelling this out in recent days and weeks about the doom and gloom that has beset our nation's brightest. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that at one time Detroit, Michigan was the, the class and envy of the nation. Hard to imagine that. Boy, has that fallen from grace. There was a time when, uh, you know, it, it was really all of that and it sparkled and none of the problems that we're having today were in that city. It was an amazing place to be. But as, uh, as uh, Rich Kostlovich says, he joins me back on the broadcast now, uh, says that things have changed dramatically uh, since uh, 1965. Rich, let's talk about that, please. I want to drive you right to this your op-ed. I think it's a fa- fantastic uh, a quick read. But you talk about um, the, thing, the change in dramatically from in Cleveland, Ohio, from 1965 forward. What's changed so much in a city like Cleveland? Well, population, for one thing, it's dropped dramatically. Uh, in 1965, it was just under 1.9 million people. And now it's like 361,000 people. I mean, wow. that's a huge drop in population. And when you have that kind of drop in population, you know what you have? A lot of empty buildings. Whole blocks uh, of Cleveland are uh, have been leveled. Uh, Cleveland was a, a, a huge manufacturing uh, center. At one time, it was considered the second, really considered the second city, not Chicago. And it was a, a very uh, prominent city. Euclid Avenue was considered Millionaire's Row. People like John. D. Rockefeller lived in Cleveland, and it has the deterioration has been going on for just uh, many, so many decades. Mm-hmm. The big, the biggest problem uh, in, and this is true of all the major cities, is we're seeing the biggest problem in uh, these cities is illegitimacy. You can't have a stable society if the very foundation for a stable society is being destroyed. You have, and Daniel Patrick Moynihan uh, published his uh, Illegitimacy in America report in 1962. The illegitimacy in Black America was around just around 30%, tw- take about 25%. And in white America, it was 2%. Now, currently, in Black America, it's just under 70%, and it's just under 30% in white America. The biggest jump has been in white America, percent per ratio. And this is spreading. You have this unstable foundation. You can't build a stable society on an unstable foundation. And illegitimate families, uh, illegitimacy doesn't create families. It creates it creates anarchy and we're seeing that all the time we're seeing uh, there's a, a black pastor who allows me to write his uh, publish his work uh, uh, michael massey he publishes for what uh, other than his own blog he publishes for uh, world net daily and he he rails about this and he rails against the so-called uh, black leadership that doesn't con- that doesn't work to fix that. Mm-hmm. They blame everybody else, but they're failing to blame where the problem lies. And that's single parent families. It don't, because who's making these young kids go to school? It's not happening. And when they go to school, they're, they're, they react violently. And if there's a, uh, there are black kids who are want to uh, really want to learn and want to do they're, they're beat them up for acting white. 
Well, that comes from single parent families. There's no, there's no definitive structure. There's no uh, one person that, 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 that is going to say, you're not going to act this way. I'm the dad and you're going to do as you're told. And we're seeing this in white America. We're seeing it in black America. And it's an outrageous um, uh, abandonment of uh, their responsibilities as human beings. The fact of the matter is, in a society, you want to have, this is America, if you want to have a successful life, you go to school, you learn how all the basics, you go get a job, you go to work every day, you pay your bills, you marry the women that you're making babies with, and you have us, and then raise your children with those same values. And what do you have? You have ended up with a successful life. This is America. That's available to anyone. All, but you have to do the basics. And that's not happening in the cities. The people that were productive are leaving. And if you look at, and, I, and I'm sure, well, first of all, Cleveland has had better race relationships than most, most of these major cities. We've had our issues, but it wasn't that bad mm -hmm. uh, in times past. We had uh, two recent black mayors that I thought were pretty good. Uh, Mayor White and uh, Mayor Jackson. Uh, during the uh, during White's uh, uh, administration, there was a a big Ku Klux Klan thing came here to Cleveland, and he set up the barriers and he set up the police and he protected them, and they railed against him. He says, "Is there anybody so stupid out there that actually believes I like these people?" He's on Mayor of Cleveland. It's my job to protect them, and that's what I did. And he and it was I thought it was impressive. And Mayor Jackson. When he was the mayor, they had the Cleve the uh, Republican convention here, and he set up all the fences and had the police and prevented the activists from disrupting what was going on. They actually sued him, saying it was preventing their freedom of speech. Well, he wasn't going to tolerate that. His mayor of the Cleveland and his job is to protect the people, and that's exactly what they did. So we so we haven't we've had. Uh, problems, but not like it has been in other cities, but it's getting worse now. Right. And uh, it still comes down to this. You, you have to have stable family units. Mm -hmm. If you fix that, yeah, you can fix that. You, everything else will take care of itself. Because I can tell you right now, there's never going to be a government program that's going to work. It has to be a self-imposed cultural change. Um, we've uh, once we abandoned the Judeo-Christian principles that built this country, then it, there was there are no principles. If you mm -hmm. abandon that, then anything goes, and anything going well, yeah. makes, makes nothing work. What you're talking about here is foundational values, and sure, that's Absolutely. a huge. Well, yeah, th that's a huge piece of this. Uh, but that's not a quick fix for what ails us, obviously. But it is a long fix. It is something that does need to be done getting back to that point, both in black communities, white communities, Asian communities, all communities need those basic fundamental family values. But they have eroded, Rich, all over our nation. There's been an erosion of family values, and it started decades ago, as I tell listeners all the time, when they stole the manger scene out of the public square uh, from the local Kmart. Uh, you know, and then it went from there all the way forward. He had a gay parade down Main Street, USA, and now cutting body parts off and trends of what's allowed or what's not allowed. Uh, crime, these corrupt DAs, the erosion of the cities. Uh, and uh, you, you've got a recipe uh, for disaster, which is what we're dealing with now. Now, let me ask you this with Cleveland. Violent crime. You talk about violent crime in your piece. You say it's 17.4 per a thousand. Uh, in, in all of Ohio, it's about 3.76. So that's quite a disparity there. 
and nationwide it's a, it's approximately four uh, per thousand. You're saying, and so this is a, a pretty big ratio. As you've seen now, you're still you're still in Cleveland, right? You're still live there. Well, I, I live outside of Cleveland. It's, I live in one of the suburbs. Suburbs, of course. People but, in the area all consider, we all right. consider ourselves. Of course, like everywhere, Cleveland. like everywhere, like everywhere. We're all, every market is pretty well the same thing. You have your suburbs, but they're still called the Mecca. They're part of the, the market there, the market, you know, basically, the media market, I guess. Uh, now, uh, wh- why did you stay and others left? Why, I just really, though, based on quality of life, based on these numbers of crime, like there are probably areas you would never go into in the market there, but so you kind of know where to go, where not to go. I'm assuming to be safe. But why did you stay and others did not stay? Well, once again, I live in the suburbs. I'm not living in in the heart of it all. Um, I owned a pest control company for many years, and it got to the point. And I used to service every area, didn't irrespective of what group was lived there. And I wasn't concerned. Uh, as I said, Cleveland wasn't as bad as so many other areas. As I got older and uh, not as physically fit and things changed, I didn't go into those areas anymore. And I, that's, I don't go downtown anymore for that very reason. Uh, it's a, it, it's, it's still my town. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. I plan, I'm, I'm never going to leave here. Uh, the fact that I can't uh, do things like I used to is, is immaterial. I'm going to stay here. Okay. This right. is my family's here and I'm not, I'm not going to leave. But and it's do, pretty safe where I'm Do at. you think other people, uh, did they leave because of the crime? Mostly a majority of quality of life. What, what, I, no, well, but... I, most, most of the people in this, that uh, fled Cleveland, uh, move to the suburbs, but they're still part of the Cleveland area. But they're not part of downtown. They're not part of the inner city, the uh, the inner the core of the city. Okay. And you look at if you look at the uh, 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 the buildings, these built uh, they have some beautiful buildings in Cleveland da- downtown buildings. Sure. And the occupancy is really terrible. There's right. a lot of them that have less. Well, we're than seeing 50%. that everywhere, Rich. We're seeing that in all cities. In fact, COVID decimated them more because they're not coming back either. Worse. They're Absolutely not coming back there and they're working yeah. from home and they're staying away. And then when you add all these other factors in of the things we're talking about, they don't want any part of city life. And uh, with, you know. with the Internet, they don't need to be. That's exactly it. anymore. Yeah. Technology's changed away. everything. Yeah, it's all, right. cha- and they're right, not coming back. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, well, the, the people are not coming Maybe. back. You mean they're, you're not you're saying they're not coming back. Okay. I don't believe that. I don't think they're coming back. So the then the, once so, they've set up these buildings in the suburbs and they've set up that right. their structure in the suburbs, they don't need the city anymore. Right. They don't so then these cities then are going to just rot then, you're saying. They're going to become wastelands, right? Is that what we look That's what that's we're looking exa- for? We're going to see them become much, much smaller. And at some point, we're going to start seeing more and more uh, vacant areas. Okay. Uh, there are whole sections of all, all the major cities, yeah. including right. Cleveland, where all right, just, let me let me jump no, in here. And, and you're saying the piece here, the the revitalization would have to happen for Cleveland's neighborhoods. They they would require tearing down entire sections of the city or put Absolutely. up new buildings. Uh, currently, entire sections of Cleveland are either vacant lots, uh, torn down blocks of empty buildings, businesses, homes, rat infested holes, uh, surrounded by slums. Uh, and surrounding suburbs are equally impacted by all this. Of course they are, such as the East Cleveland, which is a disaster. Now, what you paint the picture there actually can be painted in a lot of cities. You could have that same conversation 
for a lot of other cities, and you wouldn't even know what the hell city you're talking about. So this problem is not isolated to Cleveland. It's a widespread no, problem no. in our country, is my point. In, in fact, compared to other uh, large cities, mm-hmm. I, okay. Cleveland's in better shape. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair. Now, let me take the time I've got remaining with you to do this now. I, I don't want to keep talking about the problem, but I want to talk about... We we just painted a picture that was pretty bleak, wastelands, the look of these things. And I see what's happening. We And, you know, Rich, we talk about uh, make America great again or a great America. But I just don't see how we accomplish that with cities that are described the way we uh, are describing them. And it's so widespread. Uh, we see now all of the retailers in the big box are leaving. They've left uh, San Francisco. All They're all out of there. And they're leaving other cities. They don't want nothing to do with it. They they can't go in anymore. They don't want a part of the city life, the, the Walgreens and the Walmarts and uh, the Targets. Not all of them. They're all, uh, you know, saying we, we can't do it. And, of course, part of that's because you're able to walk into the stores and scra- uh, gra- smash and grab whatever you want and leave. And like you said earlier, they'll fire the clerk if you even talk back to the person. They'll fire your ass and throw you out of there. So there's no recourse to this. Uh, that's the attitude of what they've done. What's it going to take to change this mentality? Besides families, we got the family and the father unit. We know that's traditional foundation. What else would it take to change this uh, paradigm here we're dealing with? Well, it, it, it's going to take an entire uh, cultural shift. Um, and that's going to, it starts with the families and it works its way up because um, they talk about the uh, corruption rolls downhill. That's true. The fix rolls uphill. It has to start at the, at the lower end of things. They have to start finding people that are, have the courage to stand up and be counted in leadership roles. They have to find people that are prepared to be the rock in a current, uh, the people that have the, the grit and the wherewithal uh, to um, uh, take on the media. Because this is a what we're facing here is not a local thing. I keep coming back to this. This is a geopolitical effort, and it, it has been entirely destructive, and it's going to take an entire cultural shift at the base to change it. And it, because it's not going to change from the top down, the top you could you can bring some. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example in San Francisco. Uh, uh, I, Mayor Breed, I think, is her name, and she tried to do something about uh, all this homelessness on the streets. They beat her after death. They uh, uh, accused her of not even being black. You know, you know. So needless to say, she had to back away from it. Well, if you can't fix this culturally at the base you're not going to fix it at the top let me ask you this do some of those people who live in those cities that live in the cities do do you think they some of these people that are part of the problem do you think they enjoy it do you think they like that lifestyle yes absolutely i think they're they i think they get they think this is great they can abuse people they can rob they can do whatever they want and and nobody's going to do anything about it this is a big ego trip for a lot of these people okay. the fact but it still comes down to this if you abandon this the, the uh, cultural values that made the created the country made the country great mm-hmm. there's no way of fixing it okay. it has to be fixed from the bottom up okay, yeah. because that's how that's how america was created from the bottom up bottom up yeah that's a that's a very interesting i made a few notes with what you said there 
uh, from the bottom up there. It won't work from the top down, uh, but from the bottom up is how you begin to do it. Uh, interesting. Uh, Rich Koslovich, their friends, and uh, read his writings on the, first of all, this uh, current uh, piece uh, is, I, I just think, a good uh, a quick read, and it gets uh, to the point and isolates uh, part of the problem here. Uh, and he says what we're seeing is irreversible in America's major cities. Based on many of the trends, it almost would be irreversible. It's it's a long, daunting process, is what Rich is suggesting and what the evidence suggests, more so than that even, as far as what it would take to change this trajectory. But if the people who are creating it and living in it like that lifestyle, as he suggests they do, then that's going to even be a more challenging uh, position to change the uh, uh, that culture. Uh, that Well, the cultural shift that he's calling it. We need the cultural shift change. Uh, it's a it's a way of thinking, but it's, a again, it's a cultural rot of America, friends. It's the cultural rot uh, and all levers here point to the fact and nothing good can come from this. It is the decimation of a civilized society and it is the beginning of a road to a communist future. That's the future that's in play now for the kids and the grandkids. Again, you know, we've gone from the greatest to the most screwed up generation there ever was. That's what we have in front of us right now. So it's a daunting uh, process here. And uh, what is it going to take to make changes? And this, I'm motivated by this. I, I just, I see this as a real wake up call and a rallying mechanism for us uh, getting back to America's cities. Uh, and I, I'm motivated somehow. This particular story has always been puzzling to me. Um, how people run around thinking they're going to make a great America without really focusing in on the local markets and these great American cities. They used to shine and sparkle, and now they're no better than third world shitholes is what they are. And that's right here in our country. So there is no great America at this point. We're, we're at the we're at a decim point of decimation here. Uh, of, of collapse. It's a downhill effect, unless you'll be able to change the trends and the cultural shift in our nation. Friends, thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.